Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Ron Miller, African-American, Dean of the School of Government at Liberty University, United States Air Force veteran, Homeland Security official, the author of Sellout, Musings from Uncle Tom's Porch, and blogger and Ron's Reflections. Most importantly, he's my friend. Ron Miller is a devout Christian, and his most recent blog piece is titled, How Should We Then Live in 2020? And uh, in the blog piece, Ron speaks about how Christian teachings might improve life in 2020. So I thought we would uh, we'd ask Ron if he would come on and join us on, on this issue, and he's graciously agreed to do so. Ron, thank you very much for making time for us again. And uh, you, you, you begin your, your blog with, uh, you, you write that friends have asked you, what can I do? Given the current societal situation, what can I do? Is it your sense that this is a time of real change and people really want to see and themselves drive change? Hello, Roy. I um, would say that at least in the corner of the world that I reside, uh, we have a church that's uh, very diverse in terms of age and and, and makeup, and uh, a lot of them are younger. And I think certainly the younger generation wants to see if there's something they can do to affect change. And uh, from a Christian perspective, I think it's important because I believe that they are working against a lot of, of obstacles to them being a part of the process. And they're confused, and they want to know what to do. And so I was actually gratified that they came to me uh, and asked me what I thought, because it gave me an opportunity to put some thoughts together and share those with them. And we're going to talk about that, because you uh, you list the, uh, the, the, the component parts of putting together, and I don't know if that's the correct way of putting it, component parts, but I'm just looking at the list of issues that you raise on how to move forward and create the uh, 2020 um, how should we then live in, in 2020? You're a, a devout Christian. Your blog post speaks to building the message on the firm foundations of the Word of God. Uh, this generic question, are people prepared to listen? Because I've heard in red statements, particularly recently, which ridicule the church, and there have been calls to destroy religious and particularly Christian iconography, and in fact, churches, as you know. Well, I would qualify that by saying that a lot of times when I write, and particularly with this particular message, I understood that there were people out there who have hostility toward uh, Christianity and toward uh, anything representing faith being involved in the public square. So my messages are generally direct, are not directed at those people. Um, a lot of the questions that I get are from Christians, and so in some respects, I'm trying to help them navigate a difficult situation. I'm always interested in speaking with people outside of the faith who want to know why Christianity feels it has a role to play. And I do understand from uh, some perspectives why they feel the way they do, because the Church has not always been what it should be in society. Sometimes the Church has been used as a means to do things that it shouldn't have done. And I always talk about the fact that uh, when Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, was uh, leading the civil rights movement in the 60s, uh, he was disappointed in the fact that there was uh, not a unified front presented by the Christian Church. 
that there were some churches, particularly white churches in the South, who uh, didn't say much of anything. And if they did, it was to uh, actually support the uh, laws that were in place at the time. So I understand the church's history in many of these areas, and I really do try to be faithful to what I believe Scripture says, not necessarily what a particular church denomination or church body says about how we are to behave in the world, because I've always believed that if the church is properly ordered, it can be a force for great good in the world. I just think that a lot of times churches have had their, uh, their missions co-opted by a variety of other agendas, and I actually refer to that in some of my other writings as idolatry, that they have allowed something else to take hold of them over putting the teachings and the lordship of Jesus Christ first. And needless to say, that doesn't make me popular in some church circles. No. no you know, Ron, I, I just find it disturbing that uh, anybody can so gratuitously, as I've heard particularly recently, gratuitously um, dismiss or insult another person's deeply held religious or spiritual beliefs. I just, it, I find that really disturbing. So when I read your, your, your blog piece, How Should We Then Live in 2020? And it's based on uh, fundamental lessons and principles in Christianity. I thought, you know, you, you and I have talked on the air about any number of issues, but they've always had to do with core matters that really are important to, to all of us uh, as, as life goes forward in our society. So I'd like to just follow up here with your, your blog piece begins, and we'll go through one or two, and then we'll have to take a break, and, and we'll go to the rest of the points that you raise. So and how should we then live in 2020 uh, in Ron's reflections? The, the, first, uh, the first thing you mentioned, the first aspect of life and advice that you offer is define your sphere of influence, and that's to everyone who really wants to affect change. So what what specifically are you saying there? Well, if we spend some time thinking about it, we all have a circle of friends and acquaintances. We have uh, our workplace. Uh, if there is some kind of uh, spiritual uh, place of worship we attend, we have that. Uh, we have communities, neighborhoods. We all have uh, circles where we have influence, whether it's because they respect our authority, they're good friends, whatever the case may be, um, you know, we talk about leadership being about influence rather than being about holding a particular position. So I'm asking people to really think about what their sphere of influence is. Who is it that listens to them? Uh, who is it that follows them on social media? Um, and once they define their sphere of influence, they understand what it is that they can do and where they can do it. Um, you know, the Bible talks about us being placed in exactly the time and the location that the Lord intended for us, that none of us are where we are by accident. Um, you don't have to believe that to at least acknowledge that you have a sphere where you can do things. Nobody has the ability to change the entire world, but they do have the ability to change the world that they find themselves in, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And you would hand, you would wind up, or you would eventually get to the point where there's give and take between people, where you define your sphere of influence, and you start, you may begin your conversation with a friend or an associate within that sphere, and then something comes back, and uh, you debate, and you discuss, and you come to a common point uh, to uh, 
to approach the goal, which again is how should we then live in 2020. Ron, hold on. We'll have to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue with Ron Miller. Define your gifts and abilities. Determine what you put first. Listen, then listen some more and listen again before you speak. Don't deflect. Be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. And don't let the few dissuade you are the other headings in Ron's piece. How should we then live in 2020? Ron, the, the second, uh, let me put the second and the third points together that you have in, uh, in the blog piece. How should we then live in 2020? Define your gifts and abilities and determine what you put first. Well, I think that a lot of times we struggle with what it is we're supposed to do in a given situation because we really don't understand who we are and what's most important to us. And so when I talk about defining your gifts and abilities, that's really just a matter of examining what comes naturally to you. What is it that you find easy to do? Um, I believe that everyone has a particular skill or ability, and whatever that skill or ability is, it can be applied to doing good things. Um, you know, one of the people who came to me wanting to know how to respond to the turmoil and all of that is uh, a baker, and they are, they are expert at it. They're a master baker, if you can imagine such a thing. And they, I thought, um, well, you you do great a great job baking. Maybe you can uh, bake some goods for it to support a particular. A gathering of people. Maybe a way you can contribute to uh, some kind of a, uh, a food-oriented uh, conversation. You know, we, we we find that having conversations around food actually makes conversating easier. <laughs> so um, I just said, find out what it is you do well, and we we all know something that comes very easily to us. And also take some time to take different inventories to figure out what your gifts are. And then figure out what's important to you. Because whatever you put most of your time, your talent, and your treasure into is probably what is most important in your life. Um, And from a Christian perspective, I always tell people that if they put Jesus Christ first, then a lot of the uh, issues that we're trying to solve right now, uh, for example, we're talking about racial reconciliation in America in the midst of what's going on right now. If black Christians and white Christians all worship the same Lord and Savior but have such different views, my question would be, well, is it truly that Christ that you have first in your life? Because if it is, then racial reconciliation ought to be inevitable because we're all worshiping the same person. But I find that, and in some cases, we have other idols. We have politics, we have nationalism, we have tribalism, we have other things that really mean more to us than what we actually say. So both of those questions are designed to get people to do a little more introspection and a little more self-examination so that they can be honest with themselves about who they are and what they stand for. What's the relationship like? Let me just step sideways here for a moment. You mentioned black Christians and white Christians in America. What's the relationship like between black Christians and white Christians? Does the fact of Christianity, the fact that they are religious, does it bind them together uh, even in the most difficult times or not so much? It's not nearly the unified relationship that it could be uh, because in some cases... As I said before, uh, they don't put the same things at the top of their priority list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a history there, of course. There was a time in the early days of colonial America when black and white Christians worshipped together. 
but that changed over a period of time. Uh, and the fact that we have predominantly white or predominantly black congregations today is a direct result of those congregations dividing over issues like slavery and uh, institutionalized discrimination. And so uh, we talked about Sunday morning being the most segregated time in America because whites go to worship in their churches, blacks go to worship in theirs, and you have very few truly multicultural churches. But there are some out there. And I think there's a small but very energetic group of Christians who cut across these cultural, uh, ethnic, and denominational lines and are trying to find that common ground that we all share. And that's where I put a lot of my hope, that's where I spend a lot of my time, is trying to find those people and those institutions that are devoted to this unification uh, across cultures and denominations. Locally in, in, in Lynchburg, where we live. Uh, we're, we're not going to have the time to go through all the points, uh, Ron. Just not possible. But let me pick one, and it's actually the next one, which I think is particularly of of interest and importance and great advice. And why ask you why you wrote it? Listen, then listen some more, and listen again before you speak. One of the uh, seven habits of highly effective people, according to the late Stephen Covey, is to seek first to understand and then be understood. I think that we spend a lot of time formulating our opinions and our points of view without really hearing what the other person has to say. Uh, And I think that's sad because I think we tend to elevate our own experiences and think of them as incontrovertible truth. I think if we literally took the time to listen, if we actually practiced active listening and not presenting our own point of view and our own opinion, what we would hear would be uh, something that would teach us and would move us in a different direction. But I think in order for us to do that, we have to have the humility to not believe that everything we believe is the way the world is. And secondly, the um, teachability to be able to change our minds if we're presented with new information. I'm a living example of that, because if you had asked me about some of the issues of the day, uh, say, a decade ago, I might have had a different answer than I do now. But through a process of life experience, and gaining more humility and empathy, I've learned a great deal, and I think it's changed me. And I think it has the power to change others, too, but we can't do that if we don't listen first. And it is your sense that there is a real interest and a real conviction, particularly among the young people you've been talking to at your church, that they want to affect change. They don't want things to stay the same the way they've always been, and they want to know what they can do to... Uh, to affect and to uh, assist in that change. I find that really, really encouraging. Uh, Ron, it's almost, uh, it's almost an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much for the time today and uh, all the conversations we've had, both on the air and off the air. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Roy. Ron Miller, and uh, the blog is Ron's Reflections, and uh, he's on Facebook at Ron's Reflections, and Twitter is also at Ron's Reflections. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.